Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. Man, he is one guy that I, I've never interviewed that always wanted to. And it's because of the non-football discussion and the fascination I have with where his brain goes at times. And um, the offensive innovator passes away uh, early this morning after complications following a heart issue and other health issues throughout the season that were reported on today. The outpouring of support uh, and, and thoughts and stories on social media with Coach Leach is amazing as we've been pouring through it today. Reading everyone's tribute to Mike Leach in the media, uh, I feel like maybe we're the only people who did not get a chance to interview yeah. him because of how many interviews he granted over the years to even young reporters. You know, uh, a lot of people talking about in their early 20s having a chance to sit down with Mike Leach for 20, 30 minutes at a time. And the amount of different directions that a conversation with Mike Leach would go, even Nick Saban joked about that in his statement, saying, every time I talked with Mike, I didn't know where the conversation would go, but it always put a smile on my face. And that's the that's the takeaway that most people that knew Mike Leach would give you. But he's got that way about him that even though I didn't know him, I never met him, never had the privilege of interviewing him, you felt like you knew the guy, even though he was such an enigma. And that, to me, is a very unique quality, that he could talk about any and everything and feel like such an everyman to every single person because he knew something about everything. I was watching an interview with Lane Kiffin earlier today, and he said, Mike Leach is the smartest man I've ever met in his conversations with him. That's saying a lot because Lane Kiffin is often described as one of the most intelligent people that coaches have been around. Um, Mike Leach, is it's an insult just to call him a football coach. That's going to be the top byline on his obituary is what he was able to do at football outposts in Lubbock, in Pullman, Washington, and in Starkville, Mississippi. But ultimately, what Mike Leach is, is a fascinating guy uh, who had a family, who had kids, who had grandkids, and knew something, a little bit of something mm -hmm. about everything. And Hutton, for that reason, he was never boring. And it's proof positive that you don't necessarily have to be about only football all the time and make that the center of your life in order to be successful. Mike Leach was one of the rare guys, and, it, and not everyone can do that, but that could have a lot of different interests read a lot of different books about different things, and still had a ton of success on the field. Yeah, fascination with, with so much, you know, off, off of football, but brilliant on the field, too, with the concepts that we, uh, we see across the game today. You know, with quarterback play, not just in college football, but the impact of uh, the, the style of offense and the style of quarterback play that we now see at the, the pro level and the impact there. Um, look, it, I think part of that is especially at the top of college football, I think these coaches are, they are under the stress of making sure that they win at such a high level in order to keep their gig. I mean, two weeks ago, 
Charles Barkley is throwing out there the, the idea that there's going to be a surprise firing and everyone's trying to go through and they're thinking, oh, maybe it's Mike Leach. And if you really sit back and think about it, he made every program better. He's the winningest coach at Texas Tech. And we know what he did at Washington State. He took over Mississippi State. But once you get to a certain level, Chad, there is a perception of, have you reached your ceiling at this place? And he bounced around. But really, I mean, if you really look at the tenure of where he was, it's not like it was a three-year yeah. three deal. No, he was a long, long, many years I, in most places. But, but, it, but at Mississippi State, it was, have, have they reached their ceiling with what Leach has done and it was quick. You see where I'm going? Yeah. And that's that's the unfortunate part because I, I think the the job requirements from the perception of how we view the highest paid coaches don't allow these guys publicly to say they're thinking about anything but their gig. You know? And, and, and Leach was willing to do that and didn't care. But there was also a fascination with the way he approached different subjects that made it okay. You, you have to be interesting in how you do it and not controversial. And that was the thing. If, if you have Saban come out and do something, I think he's immediately going to draw a line with all the Saban haters versus the Alabama lovers. And with Leach, he was universally loved because at the programs he was coaching, if you really sit back and look at them, they're not posing a threat to the top of college football. And that's what made him loved across the sport. He also wasn't a cliche machine. Which is, oh, is increasingly not. more and more coaches. That's why people loved him too, because he was so refreshing, so honest with his answers, and, and was so interesting and could talk about anything. His, if you look at just go through his biography too, I mean, it reads like something uh, Hunter S. Thompson wrote. I mean, he's from Cody, Wyoming. He goes to BYU. He's one of the very few college football head coaches that did not play college football. He played rugby at BYU. He goes to law school, then he goes and coaches in Finland for a couple of years, coaches football in Finland, comes back, coaches at Cal Poly. That's when he goes to Iowa Wesleyan and coaches with Hal Mummy. Hal Mummy is the inventor of the air raid. Mike Leach was one of his coaches, started out as offensive line coach, became his offensive coordinator when Hal Mummy went to Kentucky. So went from Iowa Wesleyan with Mummy to Valdosta State to Kentucky Tim Couch comes along, mm. almost wins a Heisman Trophy, number one overall pick, coaches him at Kentucky, goes to Oklahoma for one year, wins the national championship. It, it, actually, it was the next year. Gets them ready for the national championship the following year, but brings that offense, recruits Josh Heupel to Oklahoma. It's just a crazy Wikipedia entry of a life when you look at all that he's done in all the different places he's been over the course of his career. But how mummy... I was reading an interview with him, gave him a lot of credit for saying, look, he he took the air raid and did more with it than I ever even dreamed of accomplishing. He's the one who made it popular and made it famous because he was so successful with it. Another thing how Mummy credits him for, he said, he's the one who came up with air raid as the name of the offense. He would send out mailers at the time to different reporters showing all the offensive exploits at Iowa Wesleyan and titling it the air raid. <laughs> And made it famous, made it popular that way. And how Mum even says, big reason why we got hired at different places was because Mike Leach was su such a great self-promoter of the program at the time and would talk about what they were doing offensively. Just a fascinating dude. Well, it's rare to find in football and maybe in sport, sports in general fresh concepts, right? Uh, coaches put their own take on current and past concepts, but you're really stealing ideas that you see on film 
and then reinvent it. And this was fresh because they paired together. You're mentioning uh, Leech with with Mummy, and then they turned in the, the the system that sold all these books. The the high school coaches took that and worked out the the players. I mean, how mummy with the how to install this system at the high school level? There's no telling how many of those uh, installation packets he sold to high school programs uh, across the country, but especially in uh, the southeast. I mean, practically every coach in in this area bought that, uh, and this was before the the download era, right? You you yeah. had to physically have it shipped to you or go pick it up at the bookstore, and they did. Directly from uh, the the Kentucky coach, um, we will have. Uh, speaking of books, Mike Leach co-authored a book on Geronimo, and uh, this was in the the middle of uh, his coaching tenure at Washington State. He co-authored the the, the book on Geronimo with uh, uh, Buddy Levy, who is the head of the English department at Washington State University. Uh, he will join us in hour number three. And coming up in about 10 minutes, Ken Wilson, uh, the coach at Nevada, who coached at Washington State with uh, Mike Leach, he will join us to give perspective on the passing of uh, his former boss and uh, mentor, Mississippi State head coach Mike Leach. Yeah, Hutton, you and I were talking before the show, uh, getting ready for today and, and trying to ask the question, we've seen so many coaches talk about Mike Leach and former players and everyone's issued a statement. And I've been amazed reading all the tributes, seeing the tributes from people like Josh Heupel and Cliff Kingsbury and those that played for him and others that coached with him. We're going to talk with one coming up here in the next segment. But we, we were saying, how do we get down and dirty with the Mike Leach that everyone talks about because he would talk about all these different things while they were attempting to talk football? Yeah. But this was someone who actually talked about all those other things who probably didn't care at all about Mike Leach, the football coach. So Buddy Levy was, you had mentioned the book about Geronimo and the Apache leader's leadership ability. We're going to talk to him later. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. To get down to what was it like talking with Mike Leach, not the football coach Mike Leach, but the guy who was obsessed with history, obsessed with pirates, obsessed with the leadership skills of this Apache warrior, and writing a book with him on that. And I'm even going to ask him the question, did football randomly come up in these conversations? Because every other subject would randomly come up if you asked Mike Leach about football. I wonder if football would creep into other things when he was talking outside of his, his world of college football. But it translates, I'm sure, because the title of the book, Geronimo, Leadership Strategies of an American Warrior. I, I'm fascinated to chat with, with Levy about this, uh, who co-authored the book with Mike Leach at Washington State. Uh, By the way, 60% of his games he won in Lubbock, oh. in Pullman, Washington, and Starkville. And of all the tragedies with him dying at 61, I, I, I keep going back to he was almost Tennessee's head coach. Yes. There, was a, there were a yes. few hours where John Curry got called off the road but he was, and Mike Leach talked openly about this. He, he agreed to the job. He was going to leave and be the next coach at Tennessee. I always will be curious about what Mike Leach would have done at a blue blood program. And that would have been as close as he was ever going to get to a blue blood program. If he took the Tennessee job, what was that spotlight going to be like? Because he won 60% of his games in major conferences at places that never win. So, Everyone was afraid of him because they didn't quite know what he would say at times. 
But what if he coached at Texas or Ohio State or Michigan or Alabama or any of those types of jobs? What would that have looked like? Now we'll never know. And now my, my brain is spinning on the, the connections that we have from that story. Because he, John Curry, who's now the athletic director at Wake Forest, flew to the West Coast without permission uh, from, the, from the athletic department or the university. They didn't know where he was. They couldn't find him. Because he was getting turned down left and right by coaches that didn't want to coach because of the mess at Tennessee at the time. And because John Curry acted, it was acting and, and certainly proved he didn't know what he was doing. And he ends up meeting, I forgot where they met, but they, it was... Uh, they met in L.A. Yeah, but the, the specific areas, like a park or something. Uh, oh, the, the, the texts that were released were amazing. Yeah, I mean, you could see it through the text. You're right. We had the, the play-by-play of, where are you? Can you meet here? Walking that way. And knowing that they told him after he reported back that he had met Mike with Mike Leach and they, in effect, he was ready to be in Knoxville, they called him back and said, yeah, get back to Knoxville. And they fired him. Well, I think this was post-Dave Doran flirtation. Yes. I feel like that day he was in Raleigh to meet with Dave Doran at NC State. It was after Jeff Brom. Then that kind of fell apart. It was, yeah, it was Shiano Sunday to Jeff Brom. Dave Dorn, there may have been someone else. Gundy was a part of this also. Yes, it was right after Gundy turned them Gundy, down. It was Gundy to Braum, maybe to Doran, then all the way out to the West Coast. And then the call comes from the Donde Plowman who said, you know, come back to Knoxville. And that was when, I mean, they were writing up the contract, it sounded like, according to Leach, where he was going to be the head coach at, at Tennessee. Uh, regardless, I, I would have loved to have seen Leach at a program that historically has won a lot, like at Tennessee, or another top place. But isn't it fitting that the places where he won are commonly thought of as football outposts, but yet he made it work yes. as an outsider? Well, well, you think of him whenever you think of... I think of him when I think of Gardner Minshew. And Minshew was only there for a year. He got to Washington State, Hutton. They had eight straight non-winning seasons when he took over. In year two, he got them to a bowl. And then the next four years, they won eight-plus games every year including 11 wins in 2018. Just built and built and built at Washington State, one of the hardest places yeah. in the country to win, and won eight straight starting in year three for the next five years or four years. In incredible run at all of his jobs. Coming up, we've got Ken Wilson, uh, the Wolfpack head coach at Nevada. Uh, first, though, uh, the opening statement from, from Mike Leach at SEC Media Days uh, not your traditional opening statement because the coaches get up there and they filibuster. But Clark Lee gave like a uh, the longest, and he, he like it's like a state of, the, state of the program address type uh, thing. As they we go to break, talking. here is the opening statement from Mike Leach this past summer. All right, I'm not a big opening statement guy, and plus you guys are going to ask whatever you want to know anyway. So let's just go ahead and get started. Is there any questions? <laughs> What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. 
and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Mississippi State will be playing in its bowl game, and Mike Leach wouldn't have it any other way, quite frankly. Nope. And the, the tie here, they're playing at Raymond James Stadium. There's a pirate ship in the end zone. At Raymond James Stadium. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, remembering Mike Leach today, the Mississippi State head coach, uh, passing away at the age of 61. Um, a coach who was with him at Washington State is with us. He's on the road recruiting, and he joins us from a hotel room. That's how we know he's recruiting. Uh, Ken Wilson's the head coach for the Nevada Wolfpack. Uh, coach, thank you for the time today. Uh, hope you're doing well on the recruiting trail. Um, and under the circumstances, uh, thank you for uh, helping us put some perspective on what Mike Leach meant to a football team, to a coaching staff, and also conversation off the field. How are you? Doing, uh, doing okay. Appreciate you guys. Yeah, man. What, what, what comes to mind uh, when you think of, of Coach Leach right off the gate, right out of the jump? Well, just, just about anything but football. He was, he was uh, special in a lot of ways. But, you know, the biggest thing is I don't think I ever saw him meet a person, stranger, a friend that uh, that he wouldn't talk to and and didn't care about uh, what they uh, what their opinion was. And and uh, he was just an all around, you know, really good human being. Great guy to work for. So working on his staff at Washington State, I'm, I'm curious about Mike Leach. And we've heard so many great stories and read so many great stories today, but I'm curious about Leach, the recruiter. If you're on the road and you need Coach Leach to help close the deal with a player and I'm sure you, it's down to a science for you guys now when you're in the living room and the pitch is happening and knowing what the, is important to the player and all of that how difficult was it to reel Mike Leach in in one of those in-home visits or at the dinner table <laughs> with a player and what was that like when you were on the road recruiting with him yeah you know when you were in the house with him you never talked about football and and it was like having a you know any other famous person with you it was you know you're gonna you're gonna be there a while if you had a schedule you could forget it because uh, he was going to be there as long as he wanted to be there and and uh, he was going to answer every question and usually it was never about football it was you know he had a genuine interest in the families and the players and what their interests were and, and he had an opinion about everything there wasn't one subject that coach Leach didn't have an opinion about so I would just go in the house with him sit down in a chair and let him go to work and we'd walk out, you know, three, four hours later and he'd ask if it went good. And I'm like, yeah, we didn't talk football, but it went awesome. They loved you. <laughs> Coach Ken Wilson uh, of Nevada with us on Outkick 360. When is the last time you spoke with Coach? Uh, you, know, look, you know, if you know Coach Leach, you know, you're going to get texts late at night and, and uh, he was a night owl. So um, probably uh, sometime in the spring after I took the Nevada job, uh, we had a conversation and then we got on the phone and 
And I was, you know, I was teasing him a little bit. I said, you finally uh, got some defensive guys on that coaching tree. Freeze. You're actually a legitimate head coach now. And he's like, yeah, proud to have you in my tree. So that's about the extent of a long conversation. What What is the, uh, from a defensive-minded coach as yourself, what's the impact he's had on you? I, we, we think of the college offenses. Um, being behind the scenes with him had to have an impact on how you're now defending the college offense. Yeah, we got the chance to to see the, you know, such an easy and uh, precise offense and, and learn from him and, and the few plays that, that they ran and, and uh, how how simple in theory and on the board it was and, and how hard it is for someone to uh, defend in a couple of days. And, and his theory was, you know, when, when we play a defense, we're going to have 10,000 reps of our plays banked in the bank and you're going to have uh, two days to practice each play, maybe four times. So um, his, his idea was, we're not going to beat you with a million plays. We're going to beat you with a few plays that we're going to run so precisely uh, that you will not be able to defend it. And, and I saw work in practicing in, in real life games for six years and, and uh, how our, how our practice plans are set up. And, and I, I just take a lot of, of his, uh, you know, mastery of the game of football in an unconventional way and, and try to put my spin on it in my own program. So many people want to think of Mike Leach as this sort of crazy uncle type character in how he dealt with people and how he handled his program. But if you go on YouTube and watch some of his blisterings of, of his teams, um, th- that's not always the case. He was very demanding as a coach also, and, and you having worked with him, I'm sure saw that firsthand. Coach, he was refreshingly old school in many ways, which a lot of people probably wouldn't really imagine about Mike Leach, but I'm sure you saw some of those rants at the team and, and thought the same thing. What, what was it like as a coach – Coaching for him, what was it like for players uh, in that Washington State program when you were around him? Well, it was uh, it was unique every day, and there wasn't a thought that ever came to to coach's mind that wouldn't come out of his mouth. So, you know, if he if he thought it, he was saying it, and and he meant it to the team. And and there's a lot of different ways to win football games, and and people thought it was so free and easy, and and everything at Washington State, but. You know, he demanded guys went to class, got good grades, and he demanded precise uh, practice to habits and and anything that any other head coach uh, demands to to win in football. Uh, he had that in his system. He just did it in a different way, and, and he got players to uh, believe in in places that nobody else could, and he won places and built programs at places that were hard to do, and never thought about it. Loved all the places that he coached, and loved the players and. You know, I've, I've spoken to a lot of them, coaches today and, and through the day yesterday. And, and uh, you know, it's a humongous loss for, for college football, but for all the people that he came in contact with, it's a it's a gigantic loss. Coach, had he been in, in, in poor health recently? Had you heard that? Um, there are rumblings of that through the season, but, I mean, I haven't – it's not like he was asked about it directly. Yeah, I think, you know, coach, coach like anybody else, he got run down and had – you know, got the got the flu and got sick from time to time, and I think that he had had a little bit of a, a flu or or a, a cold during the season. But uh, from everything that I've I've heard from everybody, he was doing great and been to a Christmas party and came back and and had the event and and uh, you know, it's just a I guess 
you know, they needed a air raid offense in heaven, I guess, yeah. you know, I, I can't, I uh, can't explain it. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's so sad. And, and we, we lost a great coach today and, and Mike Leach who passed away uh, late last night at the age of 61. We're going to have uh, Ken Wilson with us, Nevada head coach uh, for the Wolfpack. We're going to have uh, Buddy Levy on uh, a bit later, the co-author from the Geronimo book uh, that they, they wrote together while he was at Washington state. Um, off the field, any great stories that you remember uh, him bringing up or, or topics that he would go to to kind of relate back to the game or uh, just, to, just to have a fascinating conversation with someone? Uh, you know, you got that stuff constantly uh, with Coach, but uh, I, I just gave you a story. He loved to recruit. He loved to be out on the road. And uh, he's a late-night guy, like I said. I was with him one time where – down in Southern Cal, kind of where I'm at now, and 10.30 at night after doing home visits, and he's looking on his phone. He was always texting on his phone, and he looked, and he said, hey, you know what? There's a movie uh, at the movie theater down the road. It starts at 11.15. It was the, it was on the Boston Marathon bombing, and he's like, I really want to see that movie. You want to go to a movie? And I'm like, coach, it's 11.15 at night. And so, he wasn't taking no for an answer. So we got in the car, drove to the movie theater, and it was one of the big stadium movie theaters down here in California. And there were actually two people in the whole movie at 11.15 at night. And we sat in there and watched the, the whole movie. But, you know, after the movie, then that had stimulated his his brain. And so then it was another two hours of talking about the Boston bombing and all that stuff. So, but that was the kind of stuff that he did. He was intriguing. He he was interested in things that that uh, and he and he wasn't just single minded as a coach. He wanted to travel. He wanted to see things. If we went to a game somewhere, he would. If there was some kind of when we played in the Alamo Bowl, the first thing he wanted to do was go to the Alamo. So it was, it, you know, it was as soon as we got hit the ground, he wanted to go to the Alamo. So, you know, those kind of things. And I think probably, you know, I tell my team all the time one of the biggest statements that that he used to make and and that I keep with me all the time is. He used to tell us all the time, uh, don't worry about what might happen. Think about what you're going to make happen. And, and I, I tell my team that all the time. You don't go out and worry about this life. You just go out and, and you think about what you're going to make happen in this life. And, and uh, he certainly did that. And, uh, you know, I wish we had it for longer, but uh, that's a life well lived right there. Was it the Alamo Bowl trip where he wanted to stay or go visit a haunted hotel in San Antonio? And he was obsessed with that the entire trip? Was it that trip? It was that was one of the trips, and and also in uh, Seattle, he had he had a lot of stuff in Seattle that he liked to look at old uh, uh, trained and hidden buildings and stuff that he had read about, and and he always was like, hey, let's go look at this. I'm like, no, I'm not going. You you go walk around the city. I'm I'm staying right here. But yeah, he if you went to a place, he would he would research every place that we went to play and. And whether it was playing at Rutgers at the home of college football or, you know, anywhere you went, he knew something and, and he was willing to tell everyone about it. So um, I learned a lot from coaching wise, but I also learned a, a lot about history and, and how inquisitive he was about uh, everything in the world, really. Yeah, I think it'd be impossible to fully map the mind of someone as intelligent as, as Mike Leach. But I am curious with the Boston Marathon story you told, would he get on a subject and obsess over it and do a deep dive on one subject at a time where there would be a theme maybe over a month or two where he would always revert back to that subject? Or was it constant going back and forth between other subjects 
he was looking into. I know he was very well read. Would he get on something, Pirates, for example, that everyone brings up and read about it for a year straight? Or would he just bounce back and forth right. between all different subjects? Yeah, he, he bounced back and forth. You know, a, a two-hour conversation with Coach could lead you in 20 different directions. But one of them was, you know, he was never – uh, truly fascinated by pirates or being a pirate. He had just used a prop at Texas Tech uh, when he did the the team meeting and he did the swing your sword to try to get him just to go out and fight and and play free. And and that turned into the pirate thing. And and he had people sending him the pirate stuff. He said it just kind of took on a, a life of its own. And then he got into it, started researching pirates. And, you know, it's, it, it was just one of the things he did, probably why he wrote a book on Geronimo and <laughs> you know, traveled all over the world. It was just everything that he got an interest in, he dove into it, but he could go from subject to subject to subject. It was, it was a uh, unique coach Ken Wilson with us, head coach at Nevada. Um, what was it like observing his relationship with Gardner Minshew? Yeah, it was, you know, first of all, Gardner, uh, was such a big personality and coach Leach was such a big personality that they immediately hit it off and, and Gardner would, uh, you know, coach could get pretty, pretty rough with the quarterback sometimes. You know, that was his, that was his baby. And, you know, Gardner had a great way of laughing it off and, and uh, being respectful, but, but going, man, the old man's just crazy. And I'm going to do, I'm going to do it this way. And, you know, Gardner had such a, such a great season and, and it was coming off of a, a rough season in the passing of the previous quarterback and Tyler Linsky and, and Gardner and coach really, they, they took something that was that could have been a really bad deal that next season and turned it into a magical season at Washington State. And and to watch Gardner deal with coach and the and coach to uh roll his eyes at Gardner when Gardner did some of his crazy stuff, it was a it was a really uh fun year. That was my last year at Washington State and and uh, it's one I'll cherish. I mean, if you look at uh, your your resume, you're a lifer for for Nevada. Um, and then you end up with with Coach Leach at Washington State for the linebacking core. Um, how did how did you end up meeting Leach for the first time? How did you end up at Washington State, and what's the interview with him like? Yeah, so we had been uh, we were playing in the in the New Mexico Bowl when I was at Nevada that last year, and and uh, had a friend on this Washington State staff, and and he called me and said, "Hey, our linebacker coach just left, and." would you be interested? And I'm like, well, you know, let me get through this bowl game. And, and then I would be interested And the bowl game got over and didn't hear back from them. And, and then, you know, a couple of weeks after the bowl game at 1030 on a Sunday night, my phone rings and I looked at, it, I didn't recognize the number. So I answered it and it was, it was coach Leach and he was on the road recruiting. And I ran out of the, got out of bed, ran out to the living room and tried not to wake everybody. And for the next hour and a half, I talked about haircuts and growing up on farms and uh, anything you could think about except football. And then uh, at the end of that conversation, he goes, hey, it was great talking to you. And he hung up. So I didn't know what was – I was like, maybe he, didn't, he just wasn't interested. And a couple of days later, one of his guys called and they flew me up to Washington State. And I met him for – I was up there for two days and, and we literally didn't talk about football once. And uh, when I was leaving, uh, after the meeting with all the staff and everything, he came in, he kind of talked about salary and living in Pullman and how they're building the program, but he never offered me the job. And so I, I left to go to the airport. I got to the airport and I text back to one of the guys on staff and I'm like, Hey, 
did he offer me the job he was talking about, but he never really offered me the job. I'm not sure what just happened. And then uh, I'm getting on the airplane, the phone rings, and they got me on the speakerphone in the staff meeting. And the guy that asked the question said, hey, ask me that question out loud. And I'm like, hey, did Leach offer me that job? Because I don't really know. And they all just bust out laughing. And Leach is like, what the hell did you think I was doing? Like, <laughs> I'm like, well, you never said you offered me the job. So the next was history. I got on the airplane the next day and flew to Washington State. And it was six great years of football with Coach. And, and uh, yeah, I would I would. To pass it up for anything. It was a great. It was a great experience for me and my family. That's a great story. And I'm curious. Did you get the sense that he had done all of his football research on you in advance or over that time? Considering you didn't even talk about football, did did you know right away when you got there? Okay, this guy knows what I'm going to do defensively, and he knows what I'm all about. He was just doing everything else to get to know me, the person. Yeah, he 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 had pulled up. You know, all the he had had his guys pull up all of our film and and my background, and I think he was pretty comfortable with all that. But he was basically just, uh, yeah, he he just wanted to know that I was going to fit in with the staff and that I was going to fit in with him. And I think once he made that decision, it was it was pretty easy for him, and and we had a great relationship, and you know, I enjoyed every every minute of it. It was it was uh, intriguing, it was fun, it was a lot of wins and. And uh, it was never a dull moment. People always ask me if, if what Coach Leach is actually like, and I'm always, I always tell them he's exactly like you see on YouTube. I mean, that was that's not an act. It was not a filter. He was like that every day of his life, and it was a, it was a, it was a great day to go to work every day with. Him. How long do you think he would have coached? Uh, he, well. He used to he used to say he wasn't going to coach till uh, he he used to used to tell me he wasn't going to coach till he was paternal's age. That was his <laughs> when I first got with him. And then, uh, but I don't know because uh, he really liked to coach and and he really liked to be around the players. And he loved fall camp and you know he loved all the stuff that goes along with college football, uh, except maybe halftime interviews. That was his. <laughs> that was the. Thing I don't get those either. To be is, fair, I don't get anything out <laughs> yeah. of that either. It was uh, it was his worst uh, thirty seconds of the day. Every day was doing halftime interviews, so running off the field. He's like, I don't know what I'm supposed to say. I got to get in the locker room. I don't even know what's going on right now. But they always make you do these interviews. So I I think about that every time they ask me to do a halftime <laughs> interview. It's like how much coach Coach Leeds hated those halftime interviews. Coach Ken Wilson has been our guest, head coach of Nevada. A perspective on uh, the passing of Coach Mike Leach. Uh, news coming down today, and um, of course, uh, Coach Wilson with him at Washington State for six seasons. Coach, thank you for the perspective on the recruiting trail, um, and, and great stories as we reminisce on him, and we certainly appreciate it today. Guys, thanks for lifting him up. He's a great guy, and I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, we appreciate your time. Thank you. Yeah, we hope to catch up soon. Yep. There's Coach Ken Wilson from from Nevada. Great, great stories there, and, and he's he's out there in California recruiting. The, there's a quarterback that's committed uh, to Mississippi State here in town, about, what, 20 minutes from where we're sitting right now. And he took off yesterday, a day before yesterday, and went to Starkville to – Early or, or to the Yeah, to, to make sure that uh, he got to be in the presence. I don't know if he was actually got the chance to see Coach Leach or not, but in in the moment and in the, the energy and the atmosphere, so to speak, of Mississippi State. And that that's the impact. We, we talked to the coaching staff that was with them, even the future players 
and him on the recruiting trail certainly left a, a last, lasting impact. Yeah, and that, that's the next. You know, we've heard from some of his former players and some that didn't even coach for him also, and, and so many great stories coming through. We'll pass along some of the better ones uh, that we, we pick up throughout the day. This is from Los Medina, who's a radio host down in Atlanta. It tweets this out. One time Mike Leach told one of his players that he wasn't going to play, probably at all, ever, but that he'd like to have him start coaching as a student assistant. The kid got mad and left his office, came back the next day and took the job. That was Lincoln Riley. Wow. Yeah. I mean, That's awesome. So the, the Just one of the many anecdotes of, and that tree includes Dave Aranda, and we which talked with a defensive guy on the coaching tree. Dave Aranda is part of the Mike Leach coaching tree. There's some impressive names on that tree. I'm looking through the show. We're, we're going to get back to, to, to Coach Leach because there, there are plenty of questions and, and stories that come up um, and just thoughts on, on Leach. But one of them and that we'll get to later in the show is you know, the personality and uh, the, we're discussing how he, how he is, just football, non-sports, and he, he made you think. Um, there's not many of those across the sports world. And if you really think about it, it's supposed to be a kickback, relaxing, you know, uh, escape. And that's what he gave us, right? Even in the interviews about football, it was an escape. And it's, it's few and far between now. I mean, there's Charles Barkley and who else? I mean, we'll, we'll try to name some. But I think that's, that's what we lost today is that. And that's what's so sad about the passing of Coach Leach today. I watched the um, Skip Bayless Shannon Sharp blow up fight that everybody's been posting about. Yeah. I know that it's their story about it at outkick.com. And I watched that and I think, man, this is just such the anti Mike Leach yeah. that the sports debate has been taken so seriously that you're convinced these two might actually fight each other <laughs> on camera at some point. And, uh, it, but none of this works if Mike Leach didn't win the way he did. You know, it's it's not as funny to the alums and everyone else yeah. if he's talking about everything but football and they they can't win. But it's the fact that he balanced all of it that he could read books about outside subjects, educate himself on so many topics, talk about literally anything, anything. and still go out there and put 50 up on you on Saturday and win at places that quite frankly you're not supposed to win at. It's a lot of these jobs and he won consistently at these jobs, even at Mississippi State. To the very end, his last game beats Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin said in his, his statement about his passing, I was thrilled and honored to be on the field and watch him walk away a winner the yeah. way he was in his final game. Pretty cool Yes, for two rivals like that also. And they always treated that rivalry differently than most. They weren't yeah. as emotionally attached right. to, to either side, so they could kind of balance it out and understand some perspective with it. And they were two guys who liked each other. There is a perspective here. Uh, Daniel Black, who's a, a former uh, baseball player, I believe, at Mississippi State, just recently graduated. Here, he, he tweets this out. My Mike Leach story. I was invited up to a loft at Duty Noble, uh, Duty Noble Field uh, baseball game in April. Mike Leach was there. I wanted to speak to him and get a quick picture before he left, or at least when I expected him to leave. I shook his hand, got the picture, and that was that. Leach, however, stuck around. For hours. He spoke to everyone in the room. He took pictures. He signed autographs. Suggested songs to play. He was in no hurry to go. Leaving didn't seem to be an option in his mind. He ate pizza. He drank whiskey waters. I watched him stick his face directly underneath the sink faucet and drink straight from the tap. After an hour, I went up to him again. And without saying anything, he started a conversation. We talked for 15 minutes. He brought up his time playing rugby at BYU. 
coaching against Texas and Texas A&M, his favorite music. He was having these kinds of conversations about whatever topic you could possibly conceive with every other person. There were about 30 or 40 others in the room. I was there for over two hours. It was past midnight. Leach was still there, expressing and sharing his personality with a group of mostly strangers. Most coaches I've met are politicians. They say what they need to say, and they leave. Leach was the exception. That night was one of the final great memories I had as a student at State before I graduated a month later. I'm extremely grateful for that interaction, especially now. Rest well, Coach. Well said. Incredible. Yeah, well said. Coming up, uh, we'll hit some other headlines from across the, the sports landscape. We will get back into the discussion of Mike Leach. And John McClain joins us in about, uh, we'll say, 25, 30 minutes from now. And he has perspective on the controversy with Leach at Texas Tech that uh, he, will, he will add to. Plus, he has a story or two involving Leach, the coach. All of that and more coming up today on OutKick 360. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Big thanks to Nevada head coach Ken Wilson for joining OutKick 360 with Chad Withrow. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Discussing uh, the, the passing of Mississippi State head coach Mike Leach. At the age of 61, we'll get back to that. And uh, John McClain will join us in about 30 minutes from right now. He'll give perspective on Coach Leach. He's got uh, some background on the controversy at Texas Tech as well. And uh, we will also talk with the co-author of Geronimo, which was Mike Leach, and uh, with uh, co-author Buddy Levy from Washington State, the head of the English department. Um, the first head of an English department that we've had on this show. Yes. and Maybe the first time I've had a conversation with him. I'll, I'll go ahead and throw it out there. Probably the last. And it'll have nothing Maybe. to do with his performance on the show. He's going to be terrific telling Mike Leach stories. But I don't know the occasion that we will have on this show to have another head of an English department at a university on OutKick 360. Maybe, maybe so, though. Can never I, underestimate things. Chad, I think the Green Bay Packers will have a new quarterback next season. Jordan Love is... Uh, a, According to one of the Packers insiders um, who tweeted this out, um, Jason Wild, he said he believes that Jordan Love will seek a trade this offseason if he's not the starter based on a conversation that uh, they had Friday. We could be barreling towards a, quote, it's him or me situation with the Packers. Remember, Rodgers didn't love sitting behind Favre either. I I find this interesting because are we sure Jordan Love's a starter? Like he's assuming he's the starter if Rodgers isn't there. Am I that? Am, am I not seeing something here? I I have no idea if Jordan Love should be named the starter. When was Jordan Love drafted? First round, right? Yeah, uh, three years ago now. Four years ago now. So right? You know, I, three I, years ago. Go, yeah, so he's going in. They picked up I, his fifth-year option. I get that he wants to be a starter and all of that, but if I'm Jordan Love. I'm taking that first-round quarterback paycheck to not really do anything in games or put yourself at risk and probably not even leaking out some demands on the inside of that organization that you may have about being the starter because 
when wow. he's played, which I, I, I get it, for a first-round pick has not been much, he has not looked good. So I don't know that he's in any position to make these demands well, to the Packers organization about trade me away where I can go start somewhere. And I, I'm with you, Hutton. I'd be asking the question, you sure that someone's going to trade for you to be their starter? And also, are you sure that the Packers' plans, even if they don't include Aaron Rodgers, would include you as the starter? Because I so, don't think that's the case. If you uh, the, the one snapshot we have this season of, of true play with him was at Philadelphia when Rodgers got hurt. And the one thing I did notice was everyone on the sideline and on the field really energetic about anything Jordan Love did well. Like the, the energy level picked up a bit whenever Love got on the field. And it, it's subtle, right? But you can see a, just a different level of focus on what's he doing. And when something went well, you could see the reaction to it. It was just different. And I wonder if once they're mathematically eliminated, how things are treated. Now, Rodgers went on the Pat McAfee show and said, hey, we get a win this week. Then we're headed to warm climate weather in Florida. Who knows? You know, we could go on a run here. But so he's not giving up anything. He's not conceding anything. But from Love's perspective, he needs to show something because he wants to be a factor for a second contract. And he doesn't want backup money or tryout money for a second contract. As a quarterback in the NFL, you get paid in your in your second deal. And he's got to set himself up for that. I think he'll do it in Green Bay. That's not, get, the, not set himself up and have the opportunity That's to. the best bet. But if, if Green Bay is telling you by trading him or doing something else that he's not in line to be the starter, that's pretty much all I need to know if I'm another team that's looking at Jordan Love. 80 pass attempts for his career, Jordan Love. Aaron Rodgers, three years left on that mega deal. Okay, 360 rolls on.